0: I had put, like, my whole identity into being a weightlifting coach. And then it was taken for me in, like, one day. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never... My best there. self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was... was a moment that changed my life, man.
1: Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time here, welcome. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this episode, I am joined by Isa Gutierrez, the head coach and owner of Patience Barbell. He coaches athletes in weightlifting, powerlifting, and some other strength sports. On the episode, we dive into his coaching origins, some hardships that he's faced in life, and how that has shaped his philosophy around training and coaching. So this one was a really fun podcast for me to do. It was cool to learn about Issa and to just really hear him talk through his story at points. Um, it was a little bit hard for him to talk about, and I just commend him for coming on the podcast, being open, and just sharing his story. So I hope you guys enjoy this one.
0: You know, when I kind of went into this kind of adventure of kind of creating this company, I was like, how do I make people feel like they're not missing out on something like if they if if normalcy never happened and and they had to kind of continue doing what they were doing, how do you um, how do you make it just kind of like suck less, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, I like that. It better fucking happen, though, man. We <laughs> I feel like at some point we're going back. At some point we're gonna uh, we're all gonna go back to living our lives a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I I think there's some utility in um, branching out people's options because some people just. You know, I mean, I feel like we're heading into like a newer chapter in existence where, you know, there's bound to be, you know, some bumps in the road that, you know, are unforeseen. So to just know that you have the ability to uh, be a part of a community that isn't like so dependent on location, you know, I think is, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting novelty to kind of have, you know.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are pushing towards that. Like, you had to live in a certain location if you wanted to do acting or whatever. And now yeah. people are just like, oh, I'll live anywhere. I can hop on Zoom. But I think, I think there's like, there's downsides too. Like, we're talking, and yeah, it's a good thing that we can do the podcasts over Zoom, but I'd much rather have you in person and be sitting across from you drinking a cup of coffee than
0: definitely...
1: staring through a screen, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like, um, there's like a, like a social disconnect that kind of happens where we, uh, it's like one of the many masks that we kind of start to wear, you know, it's, you know, we, we don't really, um, understand how to, uh, you know, interact in person because the way that we kind of communicate, like, you know, via you know zoom or, or text is just like a little, a little different than it is in real life, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get into how you're creating that community. Uh, I just want to start off by saying thank you. I think you're literally the only person who had a meet in Pennsylvania last year.
0: Oh yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: that was, yeah, that was awesome. I remember uh, Jim Rudder sent me a message on Instagram, like, Hey, there's a meet. And he, he messaged me on Wednesday night and I was like, I don't even know if I have plans going on, but I'm like, hell yeah, I'm <laughs> signing up. Like I'll cancel whatever."
0: Yeah, yeah, Jim's been doing a great job with also just like getting a lot of meets in like the Philly area. I've seen like with him and, uh, you know, KOP and, and all those other gyms, like it's it's hard to it's hard to let go of like, um, you know, you, you look in like the West Coast and they're having like outdoor meets and stuff like that. You know, I kind of feel like in the East Coast, there isn't like that much of a desire to think outside of the box and just kind of implement you know some kind of competition atmosphere without you know having to worry about you know all the different limitations you know
1: yeah that was pretty sweet though and no one died it was safe (laughs) everything worked out
0: yeah no one died
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah man so well you said you've been in the space for like 10 years what's your athletic background how'd you get into crossfit and weightlifting
0: yeah yeah um well when i was when I was, uh, younger, like I would say, you know, from the ages of, uh, I'd say like maybe around like eight or nine to, you know, maybe like right before I left high school, you know, I competed and trained in uh, boxing, you know, so classically like a boxer amateur and everyone professional. So I won't tote that, but, um, you know, I, I did that for many, many years and, um, coached in, in, in boxing a little bit you know that was that was like one of the things that i used to kind of you know initiate like my love for coaching was you know the you know just at a very young age was you know like running classes and developing you know athletes like one on one um I did a little bit of wrestling in high school and you know a lot of the other you know like track sports and stuff like that just to kind of stay busy all year. Um, But then there was like a period of time where, you know, I graduated high school and, you know, there wasn't as much of an incentive to be in something that wasn't, you know, paying the bills. So, you know, you just kind of do what anyone does and, you know, try and pursue an education try and work and party a lot. And, you know, eventually, uh, you know, just kind of fall out of fitness, you know, but, uh, you know, that was kind of, like, the, the lapse of time between my, my young adult life of athletics and then there was, like, this, like, uh, you know, dead period of time where, you know, nothing really kind of happened. And uh, then I found CrossFit um, probably, like, when I was around, like, 21. You know, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was like, a pretty interesting story, actually. You know, at the... Um, I don't know how long of a story I should actually go into it, but (laughs) I'll I'll probably summarize it a little bit. Okay. The you know the job that I had at the time, um, my boss was like really influential in making sure that I was you know kind of behaving. I was drinking a lot, (laughs) and um, you know basically he had offered to you know pay for uh you know like a like a gym membership for me to just kind of like uh you know keep me out of trouble and you know clean my act up a little bit so i I started doing crossfit at that point and um you know learned that i really wasn't like good at anything except for honestly like i was really good at just like the aerobic elements of it (laughs) i was like really weak because you know classically in all of my previous sports there was no emphasis on strength. And, um, you know, that kind of made me want to pursue like that weakness just because I was so puzzled on why like 135 pounds snatch was like impossible <laughs> when like mechanically like it made sense to me. I just like didn't have the ability to do it. Um, you know, so I, you know, just with that mindset, I, I wanted to pursue, you know, doing those things and, and, um, you know, eventually just kind of separated away from CrossFit and, and went into weightlifting to try and see if I can pursue strength.
1: It's funny, like, you could go one of two ways. You could either go all in on the stuff you're good at and be like, oh, I'm yeah. going to cherry-pick the workouts, or you're like, you go in the other direction where it's like, I'm really bad at this thing, let me go pursue that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's because you have, like, you develop, like, identities in life, and that's, you know, like, kind of like a huge you know, concept that brings us to sport is pursuing like identity. And um I I like thought I was athletic, at least at some point. You know, I didn't really have like a frame of reference, but I uh you know, I thought like, you know, like I was a good runner at the time, you know, like I was good at body weight stuff and I um when you just get completely humbled by someone who just like walks in off the street and like <laughs> I mean a muscle snatch is like two twenty five with like no form and you're just struggling to like figure out the bare mechanics of like a 95 pound snatch you're just like wow I need to uh do some self-reflecting you know (laughs) yeah
1: yeah just getting beat by like a 50 year old mom and you're like wow what am I doing here yeah have you like when you going back to your boxing career have you ever been like rocked or get any concussions anything like that
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't say, like, something so, um, nothing so, like, bad where it was, like, debilitating. I mean, there were some, like, just injuries, and and the way I explain it is, like, um, you know, when I first started with my coach at the time, you know, it was very, like, old-fashioned training, like, it was, like, almost like the Bulgarian method, but for boxing, (laughs) you know, so, like, um, and that was just, like, how he was brought up, um. And like there wasn't a lot of assistance exercises, and a lot of the injuries that I had were very uh, like, chronic, like overuse injury. Okay. Um, and then when he started to revise like his methodology and started to like strength train with like the newer group of people, you know, I just uh, I had already put so much time into it that there and there's just such a gap to where like everyone else like have like a better like starting point and like a better foundation. And I was just trying to tread water and try and like get a little stronger, but it's it's just like one of those sports where it's like you know like you could definitely be great and never like lift a weight in your whole entire life, but if you're like just not athletic and not very strong and you're just like solely like relying on like your understanding of like angles and positions, like you'll probably get out outmatched by someone who's just stronger than you. you Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting sport are you uh do you follow the Jake Paul and Ben Asker thing
0: yeah I do <laughs> yeah are you yeah.
1: are you like a boxing purist since you since you actually trained or do you get pissed off about that stuff
0: not necessarily I mean like um you know when when I started boxing like this was like probably you know late 90s early 2000s. You know, that's when, like, the UFC, like, kind of first came out. And as I started to kind of grow into the sport, there was always, like, this, like, um, understanding that, like, you knew that you were in a dying sport and you were watching it die before your eyes. So, like, there was just a lot of, like, inner um, discussions during the rise of the UFC and just, like, MMA in general. You know, where we, we were, like, kind of, you know at odds with them because they were, you know, bastardizing things or just kind of, uh, you know, running certain clubs and gyms out of town because everyone wanted to cage fight. Everyone wanted to do, you know, Muay Thai or X, Y, Z, you know, so there was like a little bit of animosity during that kind of like initial phase of the MMA coming through. Um, but then, like, once, like, it kind of reached, like, like a, like a homeostasis, uh, you know, then you had, you know, a lot of MMA fighters looking for uh, boxing gyms or coaches to work on their, like, their hands and, like, the technique. So it, it kind of created a reason for the specialty to kind of be there again. Um, you know, so just being, like, a purist, like, it really just depends on what generation of, like, boxing you were in because if you were during that Specific time, uh, you had to like adapt and accept a lot of different things, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think CrossFit's the same kind of way. And we talk about niche sports, you get into weightlifting and it's the same kind of thing. It's like, it's, I don't want to say it's a dying sport, but with what's been going on lately with the IWF and
0: everything, it oh, yeah. it very well might be. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels, you know, to be honest. Just like looking back and seeing what's happening with USAW and IWF and even CrossFit, you know, per se, like, but i feel like um you know all sports and all all things kind of fall under those kind of structures where you know in order for one to die like another like can live from it you know it's like they're all dependent on like the death of like one sport happening for them to be successful, like for them to like succeed in the other one but um yeah like i i uh I definitely don't like miss those days and I don't really kind of like think back to it too much but uh it was also a long time ago yeah <laughs> yeah
1: for sure it's nice to go back down memory lane a little bit well let's uh let's talk about starting patience and and everything that that's entailed I think during this whole pandemic and this time you can you can either when the gym originally shut down, you could either be like, okay, now I'm not going to work or I'm not going to do anything. And you kind of chose to go the online route and starting your own team. So just, to, just walk us through that transition and what that's been like.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, so you know, when I started coaching and weightlifting, I um, I was in the right place at the right time and I couldn't have planned it any better. And, you know, during that whole entire time, it was always, it was always like that. It was almost like a, you know, not like a, like a storybook, like kind of experience, but, you know, coming out of CrossFit, you know, I, I started doing a little bit of weightlifting and, you know, then met, you know, you know, my coach at the time, John Jack Lone, uh Jr. And, you know, his business was growing and there were like opportunities for me to, you know, coach at the facility and I, you know, took that, you know, you know, very quickly and then, you know, the growth like happened very rapidly enough to where I could become like a full-time coach, which I didn't think was possible. I was always working a full-time job on the side and then coaching at like one or two different locations during the week and just trying to like kind of, you know, side hustle a little bit if, if you want to kind of put it that way, but um you know, I never would have thought in a you know a million years that I would have been like a salaried, like weightlifting coach, you know, at the age of like 24 25 and be able to do that for like almost like five years. Uh, and, and, you know, be able to have so many hours developing, you know, athletes and programs and exploring just like different ways of training. Um, but, you know, obviously the pandemic kind of, you know, happened in a, <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of had to, you know, I kind of had to reinvent myself, but, you know, at the time I was just very bitter towards the situation as most people were. I was like, I, I remember this one time, you know, it was probably like the first week of the initial shutdown. You know, I had realized that like, I had put like my whole identity into being a weightlifting coach and then it was taken from me in like one day. And I remember like never wanting to feel that again. I remember like just saying, like, I never want to invest myself so much in one thing to have it taken away from me without me having any control over it, you know? And I remember that being such like a profound experience, um, that as like the, as we went kind of green and kind of like tiptoed back and forth into like normalcy, um, I always like led with that mindset. Like no matter what I did from that point on, um, I was never gonna let it like become who I was, because you know I, I just overcommitted to like you know coaching into a point to where like it wasn't um it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't beneficial for like the team in the long term because uh, you know like. it it just kind of goes back to like balance, you know, like it's just like training. Like you have to, uh, you know, you have to have a a work life training balance that kind of complements each other. And the same goes to a coach. If if you're coaching and, you know, you don't have, you know, your own identity or your own ability to kind of uh, understand who you are as a person, like, you know, how effective are you going to be for someone who's looking towards you for the answers, you know? Um, You know, so like when the, when the uh, you know, pandemic happened and I decided to, you know, go on with patients and kind of develop that kind of thought, you know, I lived with that mindset. I was like, how can I be as effective as I, you know, should be and like maximize my time and like my reach and then still like find a way to, you know, continue to develop, you know, who I am as a person and, you know, be the most effective, you know, time-wise, uh, you know, that way, like, I don't actually, um, I don't actually hurt anyone in the process, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, might not, like, understand that, but I feel like as as a younger coach, when you, uh, when you're working with so many different people, um, if you start to over-invest yourself, you know, you, you tend to um, take on a lot of different issues that you aren't prepared to do, you know, but um you know, that was like my initial mindset is, you know, just trying to be, you know, efficient and effective and, and, uh, you know, that's how I kind of came up with the formula of, of doing like my remote training.
1: Yeah. I think everyone thinks when you get the dream job that you're just never going to have any issues. Like you become a full-time coach and you over-invest yourself. You do things that aren't beneficial for people where... Mm-hmm people think, Oh, I get my dream job. I'm never going to have any issues. I'm never going to hate going into work. I'm never going to do anything wrong. And it's like, no, even when you do have your dream job, you still got to take a step back. You still got to do things for yourself and make sure that you're not pouring too much into that, that one thing. And like you said, anything can get taken at any time. Yeah. Yeah. So what is i I know you answered this a little bit on hungry dog but I'd love to go a little bit deeper with uh with just what patience means to you I think it's such an awesome term especially in the the weightlifting world so I'd love to just hear you dive a little bit deeper on that
0: yeah definitely yeah and forgive me if I ramble I sometimes I just go like off on tangents No, you're good um, at that. It's funny, like w- like whenever I was like younger, not younger, more so younger in the sport. I always wanted to like use that name um, for something. I always like had it in my back pocket, but um, you know, I think like that, uh, like weightlifting, and you know, just weightlifting, powerlifting, and any other type of uh, dedication. There's like a lot of parallels to like life, you know, and like we always like look at training and. You know there's always some kind of like allegory that you can kind of like transfer into like your life and you know just existence in general and um you know that's like one of the biggest things that sport or training has ever like taught me and it's you know it's, it's not just like you know patience for you know getting to where you want to be it's also just like developing you know patience and like being able to like forbear and to like endure you know, heartbreak, you know, disappointment, setbacks, you know, there's a lot of qualities in, in sport that it's really hard to develop outside of it. You know, like if you were to be like a therapist or a psychologist, like there it's, it's hard for you to quantify that and kind of express it to someone, you know, but I always felt, you know, just having someone, you know, develop the the traits of you know weightlifting and and, and strength training um, teaches those like lessons very effectively, and um, it was uh, you know something that I wanted to like represent us going forward because you know I knew that like everything that was going on you know with the economy and the country and. Everything that we were about to embark on, you know, was going to rattle a lot of people's abilities to forbear and c- continue to do for themselves, you know. So I wanted to kind of have like some type of representation of what they need to hold on to uh, to remind themselves of why they started in the first place, you know. And to me, like just having patience be that, like, kind of, uh, you know, that identity was was really effective just because, you know, a, a lot of the people that are with me, like have been with me over the years, but a lot of them are just people that, you know, they're, they're trying to do weightlifting or, or whatever, after living through the pandemic and, you know, they're, they're trying to develop patience within themselves because, you know, you know, pre pandemic, they completely gave up on themselves, you know? So it's, you know, it, it's a very, like, universal theme that kind of uh, evolves to a lot of different people, depending on how you want to spin it, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like, you can talk about patience in the lifts, but I think from what I've heard from you, it, it's a lot deeper than just weightlifting and just giving people cues. It's more about relationships and, and going through adversity. I think, I think that's awesome. And, like, what I've learned from the podcast, I've talked to a bunch of elite athletes and I think at this point I probably care about weightlifting the least, and mm-hmm. it's been such a great thing because I I go into the gym and and I'm in there for an hour and a half two hours a day, and then I don't think about it. And right. the only reason that happened is because I talked to Jordan Wissinger, and he's like, "Dude, I don't do anything outside of the gym." And I'm like, "You're this good, and you don't you don't this doesn't consume your entire life." So I think just portraying that to athletes that this doesn't have to be your entire life to to be good at it it's just about doing it for the long term
0: right yeah that's sustainability yeah yeah that's that's a pretty lengthy uh topic that you can kind of go into yeah
1: do you ever like lose athletes because because of your approach where people are like no i want to get better right now i want to make this team or i want to You know, qualify for American Open, and it might be, hey, we're we're doing this for a year, two years down the
0: line. Not, not since creating like the new identity. I think in the past I have like in the past, like hell yeah, like I lost a lot of people, but a lot of it was more so because like, and and I'll be honest, just like as a beginner, like a young coach, you know, you one of the things that they don't teach you in you know however you get taught (laughs) is uh, you don't get taught how to like manage people's expectations. (laughs) And that's like a huge thing that a lot of beginner coaches don't understand is they want to fixate on programming and queuing and, you know, the X's and O's. But when it comes to someone that, you know, just comes up to you, like, how do you tell them like, Hey, listen, you'll be, you'd probably be good in like five years, but are you going to last the five years to figure that out? like? you know, let's find other ways for you to come into the gym every day. um, So we get there by accident, you know, Um, you know, so that that's something that uh, I had to learn, you know, just kind of by trial and error is, you know, people's, people's ability to commit to something is very fragile. If there's not like a clear identity of why they're there, And you're not honest with like the rate of progress and um, you know, like how this kind of works. And I feel like I'm very transparent with my, uh, my brand because if people want to become good fast um, you know, I'm sure there's an ebook somewhere online that they can get. And, you know, they'll they'll probably taste some of the uh, PRs that are promised, but you know, I, um, I don't, want to ever advertise myself as that because you know i don't need to be you know and i also um i feel like i facilitate a role that others don't take on you know like the landscape of weightlifting coaching and just the sport in general is uh you know producing results and you know getting on teams and, and doing all these great things that we love and we strive for as coaches and athletes but You know, there's never a conversation about like sustainability or long term or how are you psychologically managing your relationship with the sport? You know, what do you like to do daily that will keep you coming back versus quitting because you don't get that immediate feedback? You know, that whole identity has been really important because whenever people come to me, you know, they almost kind of know what they're getting into because I try to be as transparent as possible. And, um, a lot of the people that come to me are really, they've been looking for that since the very beginning and they just couldn't find it because everything was advertised so high in like, uh, you know, producing numbers or, you know, Instagram videos.
1: Yeah. 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 Instagram's wild now because you, you're, all you're seeing is everybody's PRs. The one thing, the one thing I noticed from competing in, uh, the American open, even though it was virtual, but like. I'm a mediocre weightlifter, so I'm not going to make Team USA. I'm not going to the Olympics or anything. But there's so many people that help you. Like you mm-hmm. have people who are loading the bar. We had people who were doing the the video, the Zoom thing. We right. have my my coach who's giving me cues. And it's just like – it's crazy how selfish of a sport it is. But when you build that team and, and it's – hey, it, it's not about the results. Like you kind of – You let go of those PRs and be like, hey, I don't really care about how good you are at weightlifting, but like how good of a person are you going to be? How good of a how good of a husband or, you know, whatever. I think that that is what coaching is about, not just you can. Yeah. A lot of people can produce great athletes who are super selfish and don't do anything besides train. But do you really want that to be you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent correct and i think like it's not like to the fault of the community or the sport because the sport is literally like you know hit these numbers and qualify for these teams and you know compete internationally to be judged by others on their worth um you know so that's the construct of the sport but i you know we we look at how weightlifting has affected the landscape of crossfit and just the general population, you know, I feel like there's time for like a paradigm shift where um, it becomes like a little bit more than just sport. And, you know, it's, you know, people always complain about it being kind of like watered down or diluted in CrossFit. Like then there's a way of making it more applicable to the masses, but you need to, you need to strip away some of the other qualities of it that become isolating or like, you know, self-limiting. Um, and, and to me, that is a lot of like, not necessarily the, the pressure, the pressure of competition, but the, the pressure of, um, you know, creating like an identity for yourself that is solely based off of constant progress that isn't internal, it's external, you know? So I, uh, that's kind of like the undertaking that I've kind of, you know, went under.
1: What's that conversation look like? Are you talking to your athletes more about what's going on outside instead of just the, the here's here's your Google Doc and go yeah. go hit your program your four days, five days a week?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny if you ask like any of my athletes, like they have like different like names for like my different rants and like kind of dialogues that all like I'll go off. Of, like sometimes I feel like I'm in like a, like a football locker room and I'm just like giving like long speeches to people <laughs> trying to like, motivate them to do better in life. Um, <laughs> But, like, I always try and use, like, my platform to do more than just, you know, increase the weight on the bar. It's always, like, how can I take this concept and apply it to, uh, you know, your relationship with yourself or, you know, your, your job or, you know, how can we transmute these qualities and apply it to something that is off the platform? Because, you know, to me, that's when people start to really make the connection. And I feel, um, you know, the most important thing to see someone lifting is to see them happy lifting. Like, unless you're, like, a sadistic coach, you don't want to see, you know, athletes just, like, crying and, and sad for every lift. You want to see them, like, you know, enjoying themselves and, and and dancing when it's appropriate and just being, like, uh, you know, appreciative of celebrating their ability you know, to do these movements because it's a celebration of our ability to do an exercise or, or a lift, you know, it's, you know, it's not punishment. We're not in like, you know, some kind of prison, you know, always having to train every day. Um, you know, so that's like one of the things that I always try and relate to my athletes and, and sometimes, you know, I lose the ones that aren't like intrinsically aware of themselves because they don't understand what I'm asking. They're just like looking for like a cue or like, how do I make this number go up? Um, But some of like the, you know, senior and master level, or even like the older juniors, you know, whenever I start to kind of, you know, have like a real sit down conversation or like get really philosophical with them, uh, you know, they find out that they appreciate it a lot more than they thought they would just because, um, you know, they enjoy like the mental exercise of thinking a different way you know
1: yeah have you ever tried like the other way to like yell at people to get them motivated or have you always just kind of done your own thing
0: i think i like honestly like i probably tried it like for like a weekend and just like completely abandoned it because i just felt like an asshole uh, <laughs> i mean like I, i've had like a lot of different influences like you know I've, i spent like a lot of time in the past with like, you know, like Dan Miller from Broad Strength and, you know, all the other coaches that just have a different type of coaching style. And that was like always like one of his biggest critiques of me is me just like not being like aggressive enough and kind of, I guess, like forthcoming. But I I feel like you have to like know your place and like know your limitations and, and understand like what you can do for people cause there's always going to be someone that can do something either better or differently. And you know, it's not your job to be that, you know, it's your job to, you know, do what you were kind of called to do, you know? And, um, you know, that that's where I just kind of started to be okay with like my style and, and, uh, you know, some people respond really differently to it where they might benefit more from someone who's a little bit more like authoritarian. And then usually I'll just be like, Hey, like, here's a great coach in this town. Why don't you visit him? Um, or her, but I, uh, I don't ever feel like I need to be something different to elicit like a different like outcome, you know?
1: Yeah. That self-awareness piece is huge because you can see another coach and just be a replica of them, but you're not going to be as one, you're not going to be as good as them. And two, it doesn't even feel right. And Uh, I I think a lot of people get started and, and me like starting a podcast, I thought I was going to be Joe Rogan. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, he's really fucking good at being Joe Rogan. I am yeah. I am one-tenth of what he can be, so I might as well go all in on what I'm already good at, you know?
0: And, like, any coach will tell you, like, I got to where I was by copying, like, 30 different programs and then, like, figuring out, like, what worked, what didn't. And then, like, at some point, figuring out just enough to where it looked like something that only I could produce, but really it was just like, uh, an accumulation of like other things, just stylistically changed. Um, and that's the beauty of like coaching. It's like, it really is just kind of like a, uh, you know, like a melting pot of ideas, you know, but, um, you know, sometimes we just have to be like, okay with, you know, just, just being a little different than the the guy that you're trying to like embody, you know, Mm
1: yeah a hundred percent and it's so easy to look at other people like we we see on instagram or you go to a meet and then you're like oh this coach does this and he's he's greg everett so i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to do what he does when it's yeah. like nah the best thing that you can do is just be who you are and and create what what you're already doing and kind of go all in on that yeah well yeah i think i think that's awesome like the uh just the whole philosophy of patience and, and really, dude, this is a fucking hard sport. Like, I, I've i been doing weightlifting for three years. I've seen – it didn't take a pandemic for me to see a lot of people quit. And now, you know, people are dropping like flies. But but to kind of keep people motivated during this time I think is awesome.
0: It's definitely been, like, like a, a challenge that, like, I've been kind of, like, looking for just because I uh, – I don't know. Like, I, I usually um, – I usually do a lot better when like the situations are like the absolute worst. (laughs) That's always been like my, you know, my, my, my secret ability, you know, like whenever life is like as complete worst, like I usually kind of figure out a way how to, you know, make something out of it. So that's always been, um, you know, my angle is like, okay, like it's okay if things are a catastrophe right now, I'm going to use that energy and kind of create something positive out of it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. How do you think you developed that mindset? Like, is there anything that you went through that, that you think got you thinking that way?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of like who I am as a coach is like highly inspired by a lot of the experiences that I had when I was younger. Um, you know, and I don't know how much into depth like you want to get into that, but. Uh, like when I was really, well, like when I was young, like I started like using like drugs from like a very young age, like obviously recreationally, um, you know, from the age of maybe like 11 or 12 to, you know, probably like my early twenties, you know, I'm 29 right now. Um, so I probably like 21, 22 and, uh, you know, battle drug addiction, um, And a lot of, like, just, like, destructive behaviors, like, ever since I was young. And, you know, just kind of lived life, you know, in and out of, like, juvie and and rehabs and and just kind of experiencing a lot of different, uh, you know, lows that I had to kind of overcome. And um, that's always, like, really kind of helped my perspective, you know, because... You know, like when I was like, you know, really, really young, I got into like, you know, heroin and I started doing, um, you know, a lot of like, uh, you know, hallucinogens and and speed and and kind of just like went into, you know, a pretty long uh, downward spiral that kind of ended, uh, you know, abruptly just because of me being so like beaten down from the things that I had to go through. Um. But uh, it, it's sorry. It's just kind of difficult to talk about sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I get it, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, like it's funny. Like I've never really talked about this like publicly, so it's just kind of difficult for me to kind of frame it. But I um, yeah, you know, I spent like. Over 10 years of my life, you know, trying to be, you know, basically, like, in a state where, like, I I wasn't, like, productive, where I was just, you know, looking, looking to almost be, like, at the brink of, like, you know, death, if you will. You know, like, I, it wasn't, like, recreational in the sense that I was, like, you know, partying on the weekends. It was... You know, it was, it was something where, like, it exacerbated, like, a lot of, uh, you know, health issues and, and things that I had to kind of go through when I was younger, and I, um, you know, I, and I overcame it, you know, mostly just because of the support of family and, you know, being in hospitals for multiple times, you, you just kind of you almost get tired of like falling, you know, you get tired, you get tired of understanding that, um, you know, tonight might be the night that you don't wake up, you know? Um, you know, and that was always like a, like a mindset that I would have. It's like, you're, you're living like every day, like you want it to be your last, but then like every night that you go to sleep, like you're like praying to God that like you wake up the next morning. Um, and that was something that, like, I embodied for a very long time. And even during the the time frame of sports, you know, it was something that I was able to manage, uh, you know, in conjunction with life, you know, as a functioning drug addict or drug abuser. And then, um, you know, like, when I got a little bit older, then it became, you know, drinking, because I thought it was legal and socially accepted. So, like, I, you know you know, got out of rehab and I was like, I'm never going to touch needle again. Let me go to the bar, you know, (laughs) um, you know, and so then I, I kind of went through, I kind of went through that phase for a little bit until it became like pretty unhealthy. And then, you know, that time period overlapped with, uh, me finding CrossFit, you know, like when I, uh, You know, when I was employed at this uh, this one job I had, like I basically came in to work, like you know, pretty much drunk and you know threw up in the parking lot, and then um, my uh, my boss basically like confronted me and he's like, hey, listen, like if you don't like clean up, like I'm gonna go through this process of firing you, which I basically already had a mindset on, Um, but he was like, you don't look like a bad person, like I just think you need like some type of uh, vice. So he's like, you know, I paid for your membership to a CrossFit gym. Like you're going to start this day and then you're going to do it. And then I I did it. And I remember going through that process and I remember feeling like the similar feelings that you would have from like, you know, getting high like that rush and like that kind of dopamine fix and quickly became like obsessed with it because it just, became like a you know like a transferred like addiction you know um so then was able to like not drink or do anything like destructively aside from just like social drinking which i don't really do anymore but you know like when i was doing crossfit i started to recognize like you know the same tendencies that i had as like an addict where it was like I was like always seeking like i wasn't seeking a workout because like i wanted to go to the games i was seeking a workout because like i just wanted to feel a certain way Mm -hmm. you know and i um you know then it started to become like unhealthy and that's like one of the reasons why i transitioned to weightlifting was because like i needed something with like a little bit more control you know and it and it it became that because i sucked at it so like i couldn't really like i couldn't really hurt myself too bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, I found, uh, I found like a, a, a quick, uh, you know, you know, passion in, in like kind of pursuing that kind of endeavor. But, um, you know, to basically bring everything around, bring everything around, I, uh, you know, whenever I started coaching, I always told myself that, you know, the, re- the only reason that I'm coaching is because there might be an opportunity for me to find one person that you know would make the same mistakes that i made growing up and if i can prevent it like it would it would kind of like like absolve myself of like everything that i've done you know mm-hmm. and it was like just like mindset that i had that i was like like i just want to coach to help people because like you know no one no one was there for me when like i was going through that you know
1: yeah man that's that's powerful and like how awesome is it that you had one boss at the right time who's like, Hey, I know, I know you're not doing this because you're a bad person. Like, let's, let's get you to a CrossFit gym. And yeah. that guy could have easily been like, Hey, you're fired. And you you could have just continued and, and done the same shit. So, so I think that's awesome that you had that, that one person support at the right time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been the story of my life. Like I've just had, I've been in the wrong place at the, at the wrong time and in the right place at the right time, but they're usually like really spot on, you know, but <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and basically like I, um, as I started to mature and, and started to kind of like develop more of like a professional approach to life and, and managing like coaching and, and working. And I started to kind of refine that, that thought process and, and start to realize like, and you know, I just, I just need to help people because people just need help. Like we live in a world where there's like no hope. <laughs> and um, when you go through like the worst experiences that like life can throw your way, like nothing seems like too difficult. You know, it's like everyone, like when the pandemic first happened and I was like, yeah, I, I should be, like, really, like, upset about this, but I'm not. Because, <laughs> like, this isn't, like, the worst that I've been through. So it's, like, let me just figure out a way how to, like, retool and, like, continue from here. And um, that's just kind of the mindset that I have, like, when I work with people. I'm, like, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you're going through. Like, I'm still going to figure out a way how to be effective and helpful to you. Even if it's, like, internally or externally. Like, I just have like a good way of like feeling what needs to be addressed. And then, um, you know, I just kind of use like my, you know, my, my intuition and and my ability to kind of get what needs to be done done, you know?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that story. And just like, you can find any weightlifting coach online, but, but like, do you want to, do you want to go to a coach who's going to understand when you're going through something or a coach who's just going to, Give you the program and that's it. So yeah, I think that's definitely a leg up that you have on other people. Where, hey, you join the team and it's it's not just like we're going through this together and any adversity is is gonna be handled.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's a very like intimate experience. Like having a team and having a coach and and not just a not just a coach, but like a a role model. You know, like. Uh, a mentor, you know, there's a psychologist, a friend, you know, you know, some coaches like really just do a good job of being one thing and they have to be because that's like what they need to do to handle the type of athletes that they have. But, um, you know, I, I feel like we, you know, we need to cover all ground sometimes. So, and some people are willing to kind of take that up. So, you know, that's been something that I always try and be like, you know, I, I always try and be more than just a coach and, and not too much to where, like, I'm, like, in, intruding or, or kind of, you know, negatively affecting, like, you know, what I can do for you. But I believe that there needs to be um, just, like, a little more guidance, you know, for people that, you know, aren't always just, like, on the – you know, on a technical spectrum, if you will, you know,
1: yeah, and it's almost like you can only have that balance if you actually give a shit about people. Like yeah. you could, you can, you can try to sell people your program, and you can try to, hey, how you doing today? Like it's just very surface level. But if you if you're really in it to help people, that that's gonna come off in the way the way that you coach and the way that you're queuing might have nothing to do with the the snatcher the clean and jerk but it's like hey how can we relate this to life and how can we relate this if you just got fired or if you just got cheated on
0: yeah and also just how do you deal with an athlete when you know that they're going through certain things like I feel like a lot of coaches don't really have like empathy or or like have like a way of understanding like you know people on that they're they're always just very like you know you know uh Focused on, you know, like the, you know, the X's and O's and like, can you perform this or this isn't getting better? Like, this is why. It's like sometimes it's just because like the person is going through depression or like, you know, dealing with something in life, you know, it's like you have to meet them where they're at and understand like, um, they're not being paid to be here, like they're paying you to be here. So it's, you know, there needs to be like a different level of like attention that, you know, you need to have when you're dealing with people. Um, in general, you know, pre and post pandemic, it's, you know, how do you, you know, how are you the most effective to a person who might've experienced the worst life that could be experienced, but still wants to snatch a hundred kilos, you know?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So what's, what's the plan for the future? How are, how are you going to grow the team and get the, get the word out?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to be too big to where like I'm not effective. So I don't like, um, I like, you know, just the old fashioned word of mouth advertisement to be enough. Um, uh, I'm not like actively seeking to grow the team. It, if it happens organically, it's going to happen because like this person's the right fit. You know, I feel like that's also like the responsibility of a coach is to make sure that, uh, the members complement each other or the clients or, you know, teammates. Um, but growth is like inevitable. And it's something that I do like want just, um, more so just because I want to reach people, um, you know, but it doesn't always have to be like in a classical programming sense. I just, I just want to be able to like refine like our message and, uh, you know, figure out a way of impacting more people than we currently have. But, um, you know, as far as a long-term goal, um, I mean, ideally, I would love to return to full-time coaching again. You know, it is a part-time like endeavor for me right now. Um, you know, so that would probably be like a long-term goal just so I can give more of myself to what I'm growing. And, um, you know, aside from that, you know, I have goals of, you know, returning to a competition platform and giving – my athletes that have worked endlessly, uh, you know, the PRs that they deserve, and and you know, feel fulfilled of coaching people, uh, you know, again at meets and going through that. But you know, I I always feel like that's just kind of going to happen regardless. Like my my actual goals are like a little bit more uh, more focused on like uh, like a larger um, like a larger message, you know.
1: Yeah, just having that deeper purpose that that it's not just about weightlifting yeah, exactly. or powerlifting or any strength sport. It's like, yeah. yeah, this is life. Well, this has been awesome, man. Where can people find you if they want to if they want to follow the team?
0: Yeah, um, we're like Patience Athletics for everything. Um, I'm really happy that no one ever decided to name their business <laughs> that because I got like all the domain names and all the uh, usernames really easily. Uh, so... Instagram, like, uh, website, you know, Facebook, all that stuff that's like highly visited. We're, uh, we're just patients athletics and you can email us at at athletics at gmail.com. If you'd like, I don't mind talking to people just for the sake of talking to people.
1: Cool, dude. Well, I'll get that all linked up in the show notes. Thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it.
1: Once again, thanks so much to Issa for coming on the podcast. If you guys want to learn more about Patience Barbell and Patience Athletics, there will be a bunch of links in the show notes. You can head there, uh, reach out to Issa if you have any questions or need some training. And if you enjoyed this episode, just uh, click that share button on my Instagram post for this week. So just let people know that you enjoyed it. Let people know that you've been listening to the podcast lately. Thank you, everyone, who supports Week In and Week Out. And I will talk to you guys in the next one.